bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to After Things. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. Mr. Brian Brushwood. Yo. Mr. Bryce Castillo. Hi, that's me. So we didn't talk about this in the last episode, but I, I don't think we did. Did we we didn't talk about fundo.town, the new Google initiative that allow you to like I, I, I don't think so. No, we didn't. No? Okay. Amazing name, by the way, you know, fundo.town It's from a Google like labs incubator, which uh, Google basically fundo.pizza, I'm sure is amazing, but fundo.town is where it's at. What this is, it's a service where you say, hey, I want to put on an event a week from today, like next Saturday at 2 p.m. I'm going to be talking about uh, the inside story on Justin and Brian, the real dirt, and then saving the special stuff about price. <laughs> and what it will be is... All you have to do is you go there and I'm going to charge tickets, 30 bucks a piece. 30 people can sign up max. It's a system where you can put on an event. They handle the ticketing for it. So like they'll handle the ticketing for it. So people go there, pay for tickets. They keep 20%. Once it's time to do the event, you use their kind of their version of whatever video Google Hangout streaming sort of thing. And you have control over what you can do, who can participate, et cetera. You can do presentations at that, whatever. They'll do like, I think they'll do calendar reminders, et cetera. So it's a full self-contained system for putting on workshops, live events, et cetera. All you have to do is schedule an event when it's going to be, and then tell people this is where to go buy tickets. So and you can do, and, 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 and even the performance itself is self-contained inside of Fundo. Yeah, it's all handled from there. And you can do one-to-one -one chat. So you can just say, hey, if you want to go, you know, talk to me for 20 minutes or whatever sign up to go do it. Part of it's aimed at like influencers as a way to sort of capitalize on, you know, the audience like, oh, you know, pay 50 bucks and we can take a virtual selfie together and you can say that you met me or whatever. But also you can do your own workshops and classes. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think that the versions of this idea have kind of been around for a while, but like a lot of stuff, I, I, I think that there's just a different, fundamentally different way that A, we're looking at it, B, we're looking at what the audience is, and, and, and C, you're kind of seeing where the best rounded edges can be kind of shaved off because, you know, Cameo was something that I didn't think was going to take off on the level that it did, and that was pre-pandemic. Now that there's no live events, the idea of like virtualized meet and greets are something that I think are like legit and, and, you know, be it something like that or, uh, well, I mean, if you're going to do a platform like Fundo is the idea that they are being the one-stop shop for all that for like, here, do your workshops, here, do your live Q and A's here, do your virtualized meet and groups is, is smart. I, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting because the market to me is open to find a leader for something like that. They're looking to kind of mint a brand name if somebody can really nail it. These all stay behind a paywall, unlike Cameo. Like, yes. they, they, uh, uh, cause that, that was my biggest beef with Cameo is just that, you know, uh, every one-sided um, awkward meet and greet was just, you know, flash frozen for, for everyone to see forever. 
Well, I think, Can I clarify yeah, who, for people who, who don't know what Cam? Let's wait, wait, wait. Let's back up. Let's explain what Cameo is to people who don't know. So Cameo is a service where yeah. you could basically pay for like a celebrity or somebody to like you know do a one on one with a, a thing or have them wish you something. Have a celebrity like you know wish you a happy message. birthday, do a personalized message. Yeah, that's what Cameo was. Um, yeah. So it was basically having them record a message. This is different. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the idea of like we i think we go from all right the best thing would be if i could meet my hero one-on-one right and at a certain point the idea of any kind of virtualized oh they send me a text well it could be anybody or like they send me a picture oh okay well they're they're you know mass producing this but at a certain point that became as we interacted with each other more virtually those became more personal because you had other versions of it what fundo i think kind of takes to the next level is the professionalism of it and uh, a, a platform that's literally built after we understood exactly what we wanted out of these services. And very often, I think that's that there, there really is an advantage to that. Yeah. And, and to clarify, like, so Cameo has, you can do a live, you can do a one on live live with a person, but it's like, it's done through Zoom. It's done through another platform, and and I think that and you know we may see them go into the the workshop and the class space, which I think is kind of the really interesting thing about Fundo. It's like you can bring thirty people into a thing and do a thing. Where you know Cameo is more like how do we how do you pay for like access to a famous person or whatever to get them to do a greeting or this, which felt a little weird to me but then again the people who line up at conventions to get autographs would say that my expectations on theirs are very different um so that but also like you're basically having to sort of loop through a couple of the things to make it work where with fundo like again for fundo to me the idea that it's like do a class do a workshop teach a thing you know you have 30 people there etc and it's all on one platform that is like to me that's just making it so much easier. The idea that all you have to do is just say, Hey, show up here, you know, and, you know, buy your ticket, show up. And as a presenter, click this URL and you can go do your thing. Now, do, um, uh, you both are aware of the, uh, the lecture industry in the world of magic where, you know, you, you, go around and you do maybe a two to three hour lecture where you, uh, half of it is performance, half of it is explanation, but the real money is made when you sell lecture notes afterwards. Um, and part of the reason that works is because um, it's a slow burn city after city as you go to place to place. Um, would, would this be a good thing in that all of a sudden you could, you could, you could, I guess if you limited the number of slots, I, I, I just wonder if you would burn out your audience faster and burn out your new material faster on it, but you would make more money. How, how, do, how do you think this virtualized experience could map onto that, that structure? You're only doing 30 people at a time. Remember that. You're only doing 30. Right. Okay. So and you can't do more than 30 on Fundo anything? Correct. Okay. Correct. And, and and which the advantage is the idea is that you, and you should price accordingly. So if I was if I wanted to go do magic lectures and I wanted to do them virtually, then I could go do set up like, hey, I'm doing a thing this Saturday. You know, it's it's X amount of dollars to go hop into, you know, do this with a sizable email list. I might be finding out that I'm going to be doing this for the next 20 Saturdays. Right. 
you know, because to, to, to meet my imaginary demand. So I think that's part of it is like, yeah, it's going to be different people showing up each time because you're, you're focusing on a smaller group and charging sort of a higher ticket. That's great because like, uh, I think the default kind of thing that you're thinking, if, if you're doing highly specialized stuff, I think, I think, um, uh, this goes back to, uh, uh, I forget Rory's last name, uh, but, but the book alchemy, Sutherland, it, uh, Rory Sutherland, uh, in his book alchemy, uh, he makes the counterintuitive point that a limitation can be the magic that makes something really work. And the on paper, it's like, why would you limit yourself to only 30 people? Uh, and the answer is, is because everybody coming knows that there's only 30 people there and they all feel special and that's part of what they're paying for. So 30, you know, 30 people at, at uh, you know, 20 or $25 a piece, you know, that that seems like an impulse buy for somebody you care about. Um, uh, this is great. This is mm -hmm. a structure that's sorely needed right now that sort of replaces the local club experience for anyone from uh, whether you're doing magic, whether you're doing lectures, whether you're doing music, whether you're doing, you know, and, and on and on. Um, I, I, yeah, I really like this. So we have like in magic, we've had like penguin does penguin live, which I've done one of those, which is, you know, it's neat, but it's, it's a one to everybody and then sell the video afterwards. Right. And I think that this is a different thing. And I, I, uh, Brian, I humbly suggest, you know, scam stuff. Think about doing like, who, who are some of your, the favorite people you've had do shows and say, Hey, we're going to do a series on a Saturday. You can pay 30 bucks to spend an hour and a half with this person. You take a cut, you know, you know, as a facilitator for it. And you know, never another revenue stream. Uh, yeah, no, I, th I think that's a great idea. And in fact, it makes me, you know, uh, that's the other thing is if it's an ongoing workshop where it's like uh, you could, uh, let's say on an ongoing basis, we wanted to create uh, a small club, you know, call it, uh, uh, you know, podcast club, where it's like every day where uh, uh, there's a lot of people out there, for example, the audience that listens to After Things, who uh, are working on their own thing. And we're going to get together for uh, an hour long workshop once a week, just a $20 each time. Uh, you don't have to come every single week, but then they'll, they'll only be 30 allowed in at any single time. We're going to listen to your stuff. I'm going to give my thoughts and advice. And, you know, I mean, it, like after things could be one of these on an ongoing basis as an event based thing, rather than even as a podcast, not, not that I'm threatening to, to take us over there <laughs> to take away the podcast uh, yeah. but but yeah. but but in an alternate universe i think the four of us know a thing or two about building a brand and podcasting or whatever and and i think we could do it at as, as a ticketed event yeah somebody writes in the chat it literally sounds like zoom plus eventbrite yes and that's why it's yeah. wonderful because instead of oh, i gotta go do this here now i gotta figure out how to gate people it's like i i don't Speaking from myself, having tried to put together different solutions together, it is a huge pain point, and it's why things don't exist. There's a lot of things out there that don't exist because nobody bothered to put peanut butter jelly. Nobody bothered to take, well, this is simple, and this is simple. All you need to do is put those things together, Well, and you've got magic. Yeah, and the market's ready for it. You know, one thing that I think w has continued to fade away and will probably only continue to shrink further is even though we are all very online and we are all very we have all put our credit cards into websites uh, uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of times uh every you know a year 
there is a line that a lot of people have about even that simple idea that they that they don't want to share their credit card information. It's it's literally the the hurdle that both Apple and Amazon were able to cross uh, very early on was just like, oh, iTunes, a, a dollar a song was enough for you to have an iTunes account. Uh, anything uh, to your doorstep within two days was enough to have an Amazon account. Uh, and and now you can build a, a world off that. The barrier that I think the average person has for let me spend something, spend some money online. The idea that we have now virtualized silos that are more uh, approachable, like Cash App or Venmo, or I mean, the same way that you know PayPal was for a lot of us. Uh, there's just more money online, and people are more excited for it. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I'm bullish on stuff like this. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what it reminds me of is um, it seems like there are aspects of both what you were doing, Andrew, with Magic Club, with uh, 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 and, Andrew Gold. That's his name, right? Uh, Jordan Gold. Jordan Gold. Sorry. Uh, um, yeah. uh, and, and also uh, the iTrix Tiny Chat Hangout that you guys were doing. Um only, only as a formalized thing that could actually be profitable. Uh, man, that's that's fantastic stuff. This uh, uh, this sounded very familiar to me when when you brought this up, Andrew, because uh, just a few weeks ago, Facebook unveiled a similar thing: paid online events. Um, mm -hmm. And this this was a big story in the tech community because Facebook is uh, waiving their fees for this, and uh, they. Uh, wanted to put on the app, uh, have it say, well, Apple is taking 30% of this payment. Um, and that was its own kerfuffle with Apple stuff. But um, that that also seems like an alternative to this, which is like all in, like they have a video streaming platform and a ticketing platform, and it's hooked into all of the Facebook, you know, events and group stuff that, you know, a ton of people use. Uh, also, a friend of mine who works at Bandcamp, and they've done a few of these now, they're doing like Bandcamp uh, live events so you can if you're an artist you can live stream an event you can ticket it you have a merch table right below the video so if people want to buy a shirt or a disc or whatever they have those options there too like virtual events are, are there, there's a lot of these coming out and right about now is is when you know it seems like they're finishing their de their dev cycles on that yeah, be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting space what I liked about this was like the the Facebook one to me looked one, it's embedded in the platform. It looked a little more complicated to get it, and I, I was I went through there looking kind of trying to go like, okay, I think I get how I'm supposed to do this and how I'm supposed to share this, and, and I'm sure it's great. I just the the Facebook maze God, always I sort hate, of drives me. Nuts. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know yeah. what the hell's going on. I don't know where I would watch it. I don't know where I would know that I had a ticket. Like it just it's very frustrating that. Facebook just keeps adding another layer and another layer and another layer to this already incomprehensible concept. But but at least they don't insist on calling every goddamn thing Facebook. <laughs> like what what is Facebook now? Is it the virtual reality place where your grandma hangs out and you go to music yeah. events? And, and I know when my friend's birthday is, and also <laughs> it's the place where there's a group that I accidentally joined from a podcast I used to listen to, and that's 80% of my feed, and also my 
My, but it's uh, also the place uncle, that, that unreliably sends you or chooses not to send you the content that you signed up for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also my uncle's fight, like, and uh, that's where that happens too. Also uh, racist uh, screeds about Trump. <laughs> sure. And also yeah. the, the, the Facebook thing, I don't know if it limits the number of people because I'm looking at. No, um, I don't believe so. Because this and is. That's, and that, I say that was sort of kind of a bigger thing to me was just the idea of that the 30 person limit. Again, it'd be great to be able to set that stuff, but I, to me, that was like it's. That's such an attractive feature. It is such Smart. an attractive feature, be, you know, because yeah. So is that is that a yeah, hard think, limit? Because I'm looking at a what looks like a press release, and this just says Fundo recommends not selling more than thirty tickets to an event. Oh, it might be. I think yeah. I think that that's probably it. Might be um, like the Kickstarter thing where they recommend you not go over thirty days, but there's probably an yeah. upper limit to there. That's that's a little higher than that. Huh. Yeah, but no, I think that's that's great. I think yeah, the idea to limit it, whatever, I think is a really key thing. So, and I'm going to throw out some ideas for. Uh, there might be people who are like, oh, sounds cool, but it's great if I, you know, was a podcaster or did something like this. Let's say you were a fan of, you know, well, let's do Star Trek as an example. Let's say you're a fan of Star Trek, okay, but you're not a name in the Star Trek world, because you've never run Star Trek, whatever. But you said, you know what? I, I know there's a community. I'm active on Reddit about this. You could go out to say, you know what? Maybe there's some people who've written some Star Trek books, you know, some of these Star Trek novels. Maybe I could get hold of them and say, hey, uh, let me get two or three people and do a thing in two weeks where meet the authors of these Star Trek novels, you know, virtually and talk to them about the storylines and whatever and charge 20 bucks and split it with the authors, you know, do a more involved, you could do mini cons, every, you could do mini conventions, mini stuff. You can be an organizer. You can produce either off of your own reputation stuff, or you could produce off of being able to organize and put things together. I've tried to tell so many of my friends who are like trying to figure out who are involved in sort of entertainment stuff and do con stuff like now, like you're going to watch somebody who you've never heard of jump on board with this and start the next big fan, the next big fan business, whatever is going to be somebody using this platform or platform like this to start organizing stuff. Cause they're going to reach out to these actors and creatives and stuff who aren't working right now, but who have names and have been a part of big franchises that have so much value. That and is a brilliant observation. It's like, what is so great about the words uh, Comic-Con or Dragon Con or Gen Con or whatever? It's like, you could just organize that. If you could get, if you could get the original cast of, you know, the, the writers of the A-Team or whatever in the room, you, you could sell it as I a know one of them. event. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but, but, but it's like, um, if people like the panel... They don't need to wait for a once a year opportunity to, you know, to, to stand in a line to, to, to miss the event. They, they, they could be there as an exclusive 30 person cabal. I, I have a friend who, who is a, a writer on that show and on another big franchise, big you know, geek franchise that this would be perfect for him. He's just a great storyteller. And he's, I'm going to go, you know, probably give him a call. Like, Hey, you should be looking at this because he does conventions, did that kind of stuff. That was part of what he did. And I could see, there's so much opportunity. And also like there are people who are really, who have names and involved with stuff. They're not going to do it on their own, like comic book illustrators and stuff. You know, you could yeah. say, Oh, let me call up this illustrator and say, would you want to do like a one-on-one -on -one sessions with people to give them points about their art or whatever, like they do at comic book conventions. You could set that up. You could be the facilitator who sets that up. A lot of those people, the only reason they ever did those things was because that mechanism existed. Somebody said, oh, yeah, just buy a booth at this convention or they bring you here and you go do it. They 
we're never going to do that on their own. And we need people who organize and produce talent to help capitalize this and make this thing that happens. Like, I think there's so many, there's so many creatives out there that are looking for things to do. But if somebody comes along and says, Hey, let me help you organize this. Let me put this together. Uh, another niche that pops into my mind is um, master calligraphers will go town to town and uh, walk people through the proper techniques to do, you know, uh, whatever their trick of calligraphy is. Uh, man, there's a ton of possibility here. Yeah. There, everybody within the sound of our voices, if you're looking for something, this is a, not saying it's going to be fundo.town, but this is a, this is a Patreon moment. This is a YouTube moment. This is a moment where all of a sudden you've taken a, a thing that people are passionate about in a way, in a business model and it's met and it's been extremely streamlined and made easy. And I, you know, mark my words, you know, as long as Google doesn't shut it down 15 minutes from uh, now. Like they did yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That ever happened. Email list, kids, get an email list, whoever you are. Like we, we, we talked a bit to, I don't know if we could name names. We had a friend of the show who did a niche podcast with, you know, one of these, you know, genre franchises. And I talked to him once about advertising. He says, well, I'm too small to advertise. I'm like, well, how many of your friends have podcasts on the same topic? He's like, well, several. I'm like, well, why don't you loop them all in and sell yourself as a package to advertisers? And because, you know, your audience plus their audience plus a few other people, you've got a bigger audience. He did that and he brought in a name brand advertiser to advertise on all their podcasts because you just have to think he had to just step up and say, oh, I've only got this, but five other people only have this. But we had this five together. That's valuable. Yeah. And it's just yeah. a lot of business opportunity is just alignment of resources and people are a resource. You align them in the right way and say, ah, I can make this thing happen now. Yeah. Fundo.town. Absolutely. Want to do picks? Uh, yeah. Uh, I got to pick uh, Lovecraft Country is good again. Uh, I, I've been kind of dialed out over the last few weeks. I, I, I've, I've gotten a little bit bored of the sort of long-term story they were telling. And then they told kind of a one-off episode that just brought me to tears today. It was, it was freaking great. It took place entirely uh, during the Korean war and uh, our main character uh, Atticus doesn't even show up until I think the last 20 minutes in, in there. Um, it's, it, it was very, very good. And it's caused me to realign my current opinion of Lovecraft country. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, double up on that. I've been a little bit more, uh, uh, bullish on, uh, Lovecraft country. And I thought it was, I thought it was a, a an effective episode there. I got some, got a few quibbles, hey, but, uh, it was a little graphic. <laughs> no, it wasn't that, that I've come to expect and appreciate from them. Uh, it, it, things that, that I initially was like, really? But I really need to do more research uh, to to kind of I I I don't I don't know exactly. Was it about the behavior of certain military officials? No, it was about the idea of who exactly the good and bad guys are in in our in our story. But again, I don't know enough about the Korean War to yeah uh, to, to oh. get a, get into it. Interesting. Yeah, I've I've been digging Lovecraft Country uh, the whole way through. I did think this was a really a really cool episode. Interesting to bring in and sort of acknowledge just oh yeah, there are like 
other forms of supernatural monsters in other parts of the world other mythologies and and so the so that it's it's weird i i would like to it's what it's a sort of thing where like okay there's magic in this one little town and the town is secret and it keeps itself hidden and you have to, you know, wonk a, wonk a helicopter your way into it and no one else would <laughs> accidentally find it. But now, is there a lot, is there a lot of magic out there? I don't know. Well, that's a, that's I, I a think, question I, I have for further. I where they're headed to uh, because, I mean, even the poster sort of, um, and I, I've not read enough H.P. Lovecraft to speak with any authority on this, but even the poster references what looks to be, you know, uh, uh, the, one of the great old ones and, uh, you know, maybe some kind of Cthulhu-esque uh, imagery in the background uh, where I yeah. hope that the story just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more terrifying. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I, and I, I did think this recent episode was, uh, was, was nice. It was interesting to see them, you know, they, they have been making a lot of these parallels with various, um, forms of oppression. And so having this one pretty clearly tie into, to queer oppression, uh, was, uh, was really, uh, was really interesting, especially after, but, but, but not last... in a clumsy way at all. I thought it was fair, fairly subtle in that, in that regard. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I, have you thought some of them had oh, been clumsy I, I, before? I, yes, uh, yes. That's that's why I almost wanted to tap out. It's like it's like we get it. It's it was very difficult to be black in the fifties. It's uh, four okay. episodes of that, huh? You know, it's uh, you know, it's uh, and, and a random monster each time. That's 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 where I was headed towards. But but in this case, I thought uh, I really liked the way they handled it on this one. Yeah, so. I I still stand by like I. I get, I get, I'm not as far into it as you guys. Like I want, actually, I just want that show about how you're surviving in the fifties as a black yeah. person, because that's, that to me was like, that's the scariest stuff so far. That's yeah. just, just the, you know, sundown town. What's this? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, I grew up in Oregon, a state that was, you know, effectively a sundown state. Um, so, uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm curious to see, I haven't, I'm nowhere near as far into it as you guys are. I'm curious to see kind of where it goes. Um, I, I, my pick is, I think I'm like late to this train, um, five episodes into it. So no spoilers, uh, the outsider. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. How cool. I, yeah, I like, I'm I to me, it was like, I haven't finished season three of true detective, so I got, and I, I know that's like something exceptional, but I haven't, but to me, I'm like, man, it's like, it's like someone said, you know, True Detective's cool, but it could be weirder. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, like what if Stephen King gave us an idea for a True Detective season? And that's what The Outsider feels like. And uh, I've been enjoying it, really enjoying it. Uh, yeah, both, both uh, season three of uh, True Detective and The Outsider, I thought were very, very good. Uh, congrats. I'm excited yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. And Ben Mendelsohn, I, yeah. I understand the hype now. I understand why, you know, he all of a sudden there was a lot of attention on him as an actor and, you know, why he started getting bigger roles, you know, watching this was just, uh, you know, really just, uh, he's great in it. You know, he's just, just believable and great. So, um, good Chris, a good cast all around too, but as you can kind of figure out, there are some Stephen King sort of little tropes in there, but it works really well. Uh, the, uh, the researcher, her character's great. She's really well done. Um, all good. So, The Outsider. Gentlemen, it's been fun to town things. <laughs> the Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>